Understand that when you're doing exercise, you're not just exercising muscles, you're actually exercising the connections of the nerves and the way the nerves move through the body. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au where you can also find a huge range of online courses, many of them accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% savings for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Phylex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar, at phylex.com.au. Physiotherapist Marin Martin has been helping clients to rehabilitate fitness, sport and dance-related injuries for two decades. In this chat with the fitness industry podcast, Belle Fong, she talks about the role of the nervous system, holding stretches and neural tension, how injuries interrupt nerve pathways, and the effects of pressure and traction force on the nerves. Maren Martin, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Oh, thanks, Belle. Thanks for having me. Well, today we're talking about injury and rehab, specifically when it comes to neural tension. And you recently wrote an article for Network on this topic and you spoke about wearing leg warmers in the 80s and learning how to stretch a muscle. Tell me more about that. Well, there's a visual for you all out there wearing leg warmers. Yes, I did start my journey in the fitness industry in the 1980s when it was actually cool to wear leg warmers. And our uniform for one of the gyms I worked at was a fluoro pink leotard with a G-string, no less, with some leg warmers and some high-top Reeboks. And it was a, a beautiful sight to behold, really, while we jumped around and did our aerobics exercises. Particularly highlight was the uh, shopping centre display in front of all the people wearing that uniform as well. So uh, I just, when I was writing the article for Network, I was thinking back to the beginning when I was fresh into the industry and from where I am now looking back onto that, the difference from knowledge now to then is huge. And so I wish someone had told me right back at the beginning a little bit more about how the body was put together. So I used to do a lot of fitness classes. I think I used to teach like five a day, run around to different gyms, you know, do my exercise group training stuff. And I would always finish with some stretches in in my class. And then one of the stretches, of course, that's very popular and common is the good old hamstring stretch. We used to get our towels and put it around our feet and lie on our back and, and pull our leg up. And I used to tell everybody in the classes that if you flex your foot up towards you or bring your dorsiflex your foot or bring your toe towards your face, that gives you a better hamstring stretch, you know, get feel that stretch, feel the big pull into it. And I literally had no awareness that I wasn't actually increasing my hamstring muscle range of motion at all. All I was doing was moving my ankle which the hamstring doesn't even attach to, and causing increase through the sciatic nerve and the branches of that nerve, which would you know, manifest as a really strong stretch behind the knee 
and it's not necessarily in the hamstring at all. So there's lots and lots of people if you, you know, through through the career that, you know, I've had, you can almost pick up now when people understand when you're getting a pull on the nerve versus just getting a nice stretch in the muscle. It's actually a completely different feeling. And I think, you know, that thinking back to those, you know, leg warmer days and how I didn't have an understanding of that, I was actually putting the people in the class class at risk of maybe irritating or putting some traction through their sciatic nerve, especially if they've had a a past injury with a, a disc or, you know, pregnancy or something that sort of set it off in the beginning. And I had no awareness of, of that I was actually causing them any sort of discomfort or, or problems in that area. So I think today what I really want to get across is a few points, but I just want to impart a bit more knowledge that when you are doing a stretch or particular postures, will increase the traction or the pull on your nervous system, not just your muscle, not just your tendons and not just your fascia, which seems to be very popular, you know, talking about fascial lines and things as well. So now I'm going to get, yeah, basically just talk more about the the nerve functions and understanding how that nervous system works. Yeah, I think it's easy for us to say, you know, in a class to to show someone a hamstring stretch, for example, bending down and touching the toes or mm-hmm. sitting down with your legs in front of you and reaching forward and not knowing that, you know, it's an easy thing for us to say, oh, just flex flex your toes towards you and you'll, you'll feel it. Like, how common is that? Mm, extremely common to the point where it's done in yoga. It's done in, you know, I see it all the time in, in gymnastics, in sports, in yoga with both legs out. I mean, we used to do sit and reach test, which had the massive neural, t- it's a huge neural tension test with the feet flat, you know, against the wall. You know, yoga poses, bending forward. I don't know the names of all the yoga poses, but when you bend right forward and try and bring your head down towards your knees and you're curling in, I mean, again, that's massive neural, you know, big stretch strain on, on the neural tension. So there's actually a lot of Pilates exercises as well, the same mm-hmm. same sort of thing. So you just, it's not a bad thing to do it because some of those postures are very functional. You've you got to bend down, pick things up off the floor, so on and so forth. But it's about being aware of the feeling that you're getting so that you can identify when the nerve is getting put into a compromised position as opposed to feeling a nice stretch through through your body. So for those in the nosebleed section up the back, what exactly is neural tension and why do trainers need to know about it? Well, I think when you think about a muscle stretching or being put under tension, there's a lot of elastic tissue and contractile properties in a muscle which move and change with a sustained pressure put onto it. They react to the sustained tension. Like you're holding a, a stretch, you want to try and improve the muscle creep of that, of that muscle, you will hold it for 30 seconds up to two minutes. Instead of thinking from a muscle point of view, if you think from a nerve point of view, you have your, your central nervous system, which is your brain, your spinal cord, and all the, the basal, basal cerebellums that are in there all together. They are all joined in one, one connection. You then have all your little nerve roots that come out of the spine from cervical, thoracic, and lumbar, and they form what's called your peripheral nervous system, which then goes out to the limbs, out to the arms, and down to the legs. So from your central nervous system 
your peripheral nervous system is a part of it. There's no gap in between it. There's no spaces, you know, in between the nerves. It's all connected like a big fat piece of string everywhere through your body. So if you are going to go into a certain posture, you have to understand that when you go into a posture or a stretch, we'll just stick on the hamstring stretch for now, to allow that that leg to lift up into a hamstring stretch or a straight leg raise, the sciatic nerve and then the tibial nerve or the perineal nerves that branch off of it that go down, down the leg, they all have to do like a slide through the very small tunnel that they're situated as they weave their way through the muscles to get to the spot where they are innovating. They all have to slide because there's no elastic properties or contractile properties of a nerve. It's just a very thick banded sort of anatomical structure. So to allow that sort of neural sliding to occur, your spinal cord in your peripheral nerves will all shift across. The other nerves on the other side of the body will slide towards the part that's being stretched and allow that leg to move into the position that it's got to get to. So there's like they, they call this, you know, idea with the nerves, like a neural sliding phenomenon, I suppose that you call it, that happens. But to allow that slide to happen, the tunnels through which it travel have to be clear. So... That's not the case in everyone's bodies. If you've had a calf tear, you've gone run up the run up a hill, you've torn your calf muscle. It's a pretty bad tear. You've got scar tissue there. The muscle's not contracting or moving or as flexible as it once was. And now the nerve that goes past that that little injury site can be adhe- there could be adhesions onto that nerve. There could be a tight muscle, tight fascia, tight connective tissue, scar tissue hanging around something that's basically interrupting the pathway, that tunnel where the nerve goes. So instead of now doing a hamstring stretch and everything sliding through the tunnel, you'll do a hamstring stretch and that little spot where it's meant to move will now sort of get caught or it won't be able to slide as as well as it, it once used to. So therefore, that will increase the neural tension when that person then goes to do a hamstring stretch again. So this happens all the way through our bodies. Disc injuries will cause problems, broken bones, compartment syndromes, you know, tight muscles from poor posture, you name it, it will change the way our nervous system reacts to stretching. So some of us will be fine and some of us will have particular parts of the body that are under more tension when you're doing exercises in the gym. So I think, you know, the things to remember is that with the nerves, if you want to be safe around the nerves, and we're all made differently, so we're all going to have different reactions, we just need to be aware that they don't respond well to having a traction force on them. So if your nerve's not sliding well and then you try and stretch and push through the stretch and keep pushing and you can feel that it's very nervy, and we'll talk about the symptoms of that in a second, then what you're doing is actually irritating that nerve and it will flare up the nerve symptoms. And and at the end of your exercise session, You'll, you'll feel worse. You won't, you won't feel good. The other things that nerves don't like is pressure, sustained pressure on the nerve. So if you are, you know, they talk about sitting on your wallet and getting sciatica. Like if there's a, a sustained pressure on a nerve, 
it will flare up and fire off that neural symptoms. Whichever nerve you're pressing on, you'll have a different symptom depending on where it is in your body. So things like, you know, a spiky ball, everyone loves doing trigger point releases with their spiky balls. If you get a trigger point on on a nerve, it'll fire up that nerve and you'll feel different symptoms either down the leg or the away from the side of that pressure that you're putting onto it. So to respect the nerves and to be aware of the nerves, you actually need to be very aware. They don't like to be sustained stretched, like a traction pull on them, and they don't like a, a continuous pressure on them either. They will let you know about it and give you symptoms. So I think the other thing to, to think about with if you do flare up a nerve or if someone comes to you and, and, and talks about some neural symptoms, they can stay flared up for a really long time. So, I, you know, two or three days after the class, people can still feel the symptoms of having overstretched or put too much pressure on a particular nerve. So that's the other thing. It's, it doesn't settle down quickly once they're irritated. So just to be aware. So some of the nerve symptoms that as a trainer, we need to be just sort of clearing so that everyone's aware in our classes or when we're doing our PT sessions, so that the people need to be aware that if they feel things like a shooting pain, an electrical quality of pain, like a hot burning pain type thing, sometimes people will say, oh, that's like a hot a hot jab into my leg or, you know, some sort of electrical quality or to the pain, that could be a nerve becoming irritated. Other symptoms are things like pins and needles and tingling. You get those sort of ants crawling on your skin, pins and needles type feelings. Again, that's the nerve starting to buzz and tell you, hey, you're pulling too hard or there's too much pressure on me, take it off. It's a warning sign for the nerve. The other things that occur with neural neural problems or neural, neural tension is numbness. Now, some people will say their skin feels funny, they can't feel a patch of skin or you know, their toes go numb, for example, if they're walking on a incline too much on the treadmill, you know, you end up with the nerve getting damaged and you feel a bit of numbness in your toes. Or So that numb feeling is also another warning sign that a nerve somewhere along the line, along that pathway, is getting irritated. An extreme symptom of neural damage or neural tension could be a weakness, like a foot drop, where you're actually unable to for the message to get through to the muscle that's working and you end up with like a weakness in that muscle. So some people I know that get compartment syndrome in their anterior part of the front of their shins, if they're walking up hills too much and using their tibialis anterior too much, the pressure will be too much that starts pressing on the nerve. The nerves don't like it. They shut down and basically they can't dorsiflex their foot anymore to lift their their toe up because the nerve is just, you know, just got that too much pressure on it. So I think be aware of the symptoms And if you feel those symptoms, you have to respect those nerves and take either the traction pull off it or the pressure off it. You have to change your posture or change what you're doing. So if you're walking up an incline and your shins start to go numb, well, put the incline down because then you don't have to use the muscle so much, the pressure will reduce and so on and so forth. So, so yeah, so I think, you know, in regards to just why it's important to know, I think if you know the symptoms... And understand that when you're doing exercise, you're not just exercising muscles, you're actually exercising the connections of the nerves and the way the nerves move through the body. 
And to be aware that the symptoms, those nerve symptoms I've just chatted about, you need to change what you're doing. You can't just keep pushing through it. Otherwise, you could risk your client having their nerves flared up. Yeah. And so what about when you have a client that is hypermobile? So say they're an ex-gymnast or for some re- whatever reason, they're really flexible. They may not necessarily feel any numbness, but Maybe they maybe they might feel weird, maybe they won't. How do you, I guess, assess whether or not someone that's hypermobile is going to have those symptoms? Yeah, again, just the hypermobility is extremely interesting. Actually, I could talk for hours on hypermobility, but the hypermobility group of people, some of them have all their connective tissue in their body is increased in mobility. So, you know, the way they're connected together, their connective tissue, their ligaments, their tendons, their disc spaces are bigger, so on and so forth. There's there's a whole different genetic makeup to the hypermobility people. And as they grow through their life and they're used to going through extreme ranges of motion, they actually don't feel the neural, they don't get that feeling of neural tension like the more tightly strung together people will feel. However, they're not immune to it. They can, you can still pu- push them into the same sort of feelings of irritation on the nerve. But they're, yeah, it's, it's not the hypermobility versus the hypomobility is a different body makeup. So they, they probably will not feel it the same as a tightly strung, put together person will feel it. But they're still, they will feel exactly the same symptoms. So if they're feeling, you know, pins and needles, numbness, burning pain, something referring somewhere, you know, numbness, then there's pressure on the nerve and they need to work out a different posture to get away. It's the same. Yeah. Okay. Same sort of thing. So what would be your top tips for PTs for optimal nerve function? Well, as a PT, I think what you need to know is number one, if you're doing stretching, let's, let's, let's look at it from different components. If you're stretching your client, you always ask them where they are feeling the stretch. If they are not feeling the stretch in exactly the muscle, bulk, belly, you know, where that you're trying to target, but they're feeling it down the side of the leg, behind the knee, you know, I don't know, in their neck or somewhere that the, that's not the spot, the, the optimal spot to feel it, then maybe the tension, your neural tension is the limiter of that stretch rather than the tight muscle being the, lim- the limit of, of that stretch. So I would always, as a PT, always ask, where are you feeling that stretch? When I take through my clients, I always say, where are you feeling it? If they're not feeling it in exactly the right position, there are some techniques like bending the knee, pointing the foot, using one side of the body that, where you can reduce those neural ten- that neural tension. So that's step one. When they're stretching, always ask where they're feeling it. Secondly, talk and make sure that your clients are aware of those neural symptoms so they can relay the symptoms to you when they're feeling it. I had a guy once doing a, a big pec stretch in a doorway. They were standing in the doorway, had one one either side, so a bilateral pec stretch in the doorway. He was leaning forward and he's going, he was like, are both of my hands meant to be numb when I'm doing this stretch? Is that what we're trying to achieve? He had no clue as to what the hell he was trying to achieve from the pec stretch. I'm like, no, that would be a neural symptom. We need to modify the stretch. So we ended up having to drop his arm down by his side, do only one arm at the time, 
bend the elbow and flex the wrist and move his head towards the arm he was stretching to offload the neural tension, like modify the posture, and then he could feel a stretch in his pec muscle. But it's it's good just to check in with the clients because even then I was like, no, that's probably not the right thing to do. And that brings me to the next point with, you know, if you want to have optimal nerve function, you just got to be really careful as a PT when you're doing a stretch, especially for both arms at the same time, like the doorway pec stretch, or both legs at the same time, like a sit and reach, you know, sort of reach for your toes type of stretch. That will reduce the amount of slide that's going on in the neural system and it will increase the tension of the neural system. So bilateral hamstrings, bilateral pecs, you know, doing your lat stretches with both arms at the same time will actually increase the tension in the nerve system. So if there's any nerves, you know, signs and symptoms, reduce the stretch to single side only to take off that load off the nerve. Other things that can increase neural tension or neural symptoms, or the, the risk of irritating the nerves, is a lot of the time, 99% of the time, if you're in a C-curve sitting position, flexed spinal position, and especially if you add a flexed cervical spine on top of that, like chin to chest, it's known as like a slump posture, that slumping position, that actually increases the nerve tension right through your spinal cord before you start to put in a hamstring stretch or an adductor stretch or whatever. So, you know, we're talking a lot today about posture when you're doing weight sessions and posture when you're doing stretches. If you're in that C curve in the spine, with the, especially if they're looking down at the ground at their feet, you know, while they're doing a, 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 like a deadlift or a, a squat or something like that, that really increases the neural tension. So you've just got to be aware that that's going to load up the nerves and load up the spinal cord in that, in that person. Another really two things for the upper body, just talking about with optimal nerve function, we're thinking about the upper body. When you're doing neck stretches, the number one thing I think that people do is they sit on their hand and what that does is it, it depresses the shoulder girdle and if you depress your shoulder girdle down when you're doing a stretch, it increases the tension in your cervical plexus and increases the tension in your brachial plexus, which is a like a big spider web of nerves that go through the, the neck and the shoulder. Even if you're just sitting in your chair and you pull your shoulder down and sort of move your head away from the shoulder you're pulling down, you can actually feel the pull of, of nerves coming down in the upper body. To then put your hand on your head and stretch your neck will actually cause a whole lot of nerve tension through the upper body. And I have to say, from a physio point of view, I see a lot of people that have hurt themselves doing these sorts of stretches. So we just got to be careful with the upper body and the neck when we're when we're setting our shoulders or setting our scapulas back or trying to do stretches where we're depressing our scapulas quite forcefully, we have to be really careful that the clients are not experiencing any of those neural symptoms or any of the neural symptoms, especially down the arms, because that's where they'll feel that, that nerve tension. Cool. Yeah. Okay, good. Now that pretty much wraps up our session. But so I just want to say thanks for your time, Erin. But if listeners want to find out more information about you, where should they go? They can always find out more information about us on our website, which is activerehabsolutions.com. Otherwise, we have our lovely social media, which is Active Rehab Solutions on Facebook, 
or active underscore rehab underscore solutions on Instagram. Awesome. Thanks again for talking to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Thanks, Belle. For a huge range of online courses for fitness professionals, including the in-depth corrective exercise trainer course, fully accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, go to the network website, select the courses tab and click on corrective exercise. The corrective exercise trainer specialization includes comprehensive modules on structural assessment, muscles and movement, fundamentals of corrective exercise and corrective exercise program design. Network members save up to 30%, so head to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Filex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar at filex.com.au.